What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Unstoppable REI Wealth. This is episode 70 with Chandra Lacey. Lives up in Washington, this state, that miserable, cold, dreary state where there's nothing cold and dreary about this lady. She is on fire. She brought the heat. Going to pick her brain and tell you guys how within nine months she accumulated 90 properties, 90 cash flowing properties, how she goes about using her fix and flip money to build this portfolio, and more specifically, how she goes about raising her capital, very unique on how she does it, and how she's able to raise massive amounts of money to do her fix and flips. You're going to enjoy this episode. She's a bull of fire, a light of information. This year, her goal, $20 million of cash flowing properties her and her partner are going to acquire. And from talking to her and seeing the fire and passion in her eyes, she's 100% definitely going to meet and or exceed those goals. Enjoy the episode, guys. Welcome to Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My name is Billy Alvaro, a.k.a. the Unstoppable VA, former billion-dollar mortgage banker, gone bankrupt, turned professional real estate investor, where each week you'll learn the tools, strategies, systems, and secrets myself and other highly successful real estate investing entrepreneurs use to start, grow, and scale their businesses, creating massive profits and how you can too. And we'll teach you how to put those profits to work so you no longer have to. Get ready to finally experience financial freedom and generational wealth. Now let's get started. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Unstoppable REI Wealth. I'm your host, Billy Alvaro. I'm here to bring it again today with another episode. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Chandra, I got your name right, Lacey, from Seattle, right. Washington. Now, listen, I'm, I like having guests on. I like picking your brains to figure out how you guys and ladies got to where you are. What I'm curious about is I'm looking at your, at your overview here, at your bio, and you picked up 90 doors in 90 days of starting out real estate. Like, I want to get into that, but let's first hear a little background on you and how you get into this business. And then I'm curious. I want our listeners to know, how did you ramp up that quick? Okay, 90 days in nine months. I will, I want to, 90 units in nine months. I want to clarify. Yeah, yes. not 90 days. I wish. I'm almost at 90 <laughs> days now, though, I feel like. <laughs> it's about, yeah, 90 units in 90 days. Not, in, in, not uh, nine, nine months, months right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish uh, next year we'll be at 90 units in 90 days. That's, that it. should be the goal. So, but yeah, man, thanks so much for having me on. I love this podcast. Cash flow is king, is almost what I get takeaway every time I listen to it. So, Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And I actually sure. made some changes to my business this spring just based off of two of your podcasts. So I really am excited to have the opportunity. I'm excited to be here and I love talking about my story. So thank you so much. Absolutely. So let's get into your story. You live in the beautiful state of <laughs> Washington State in Seattle, which is the real estate market across the nation is taking off. But the secret is Seattle. We have had this intense market shift has just changed. And we have had these double digit equity growth increases. So yep. about Seattle, Seattle market, it is absolutely bananas here. Yeah, it's, it's bananas actually all over the freaking country right yeah. now. But who knows what's going to happen with these rates. The rates are going up. It might start to stabilize a little bit. What are you thinking about the rate piece? Do you think it's going to stabilize? Do you think it's still going to crawl up? I definitely think it's going to crawl up a little bit. 
I don't see how we can't a little bit more, but I do think that for some of our equity growth, I would actually on a personal level like to see our equity growth level out a little bit over this last year. Um, in the Seattle market since 2015, I know we're deep diving into this, but the Seattle market since 2015 has just had almost, I, if you look at our, add up our equity growth, we are almost at like a 45% equity growth over the last six years. I mean, it's wow. just been, there's been so much wealth accumulated through real estate here in the Seattle market that for us, I think we need a natural plateau even for about two years. So I'm okay with this rate leveling a little bit of rate increase. I know my flipper mindset, my flipper background is really challenged with that when I go to sell because I got to look at that little uh, margin of rate increase and where my buyers are at in that. But I'm okay with that level for a little bit. I do feel like we need to stabilize the economy and our astronomical real estate wealth that we are accumulating as a country. So it's great, but we also need a balance. Balance is key, I think, to economics. Good, good insight right there. So tell me your backstory. How in the hell did you get into real estate? <laughs> Man, I've got a crazy backstory. So I was in a very, I was living in Texas and I was married for, for almost 12 years and I was in a domestic violence uh, situation and abusive marriage. And um, I like to say that I'm a domestic violence survivor. Uh, one in three women are in relationships that have domestic violence and one in four men are as well. So as we're kind of seeing a headline in the news right now. And so I like to just say that. So I, when I got away from that situation, I was living in Texas and I got away from that situation. I had two children actually just had my son, um, a baby and got away from that situation. I moved in with my parents. So three of us were living in this small little two bedroom house with an office that we converted to a bedroom for the kids. We crammed in there and I thought, Hey, what a better time to start and get my real estate license. <laughs> but I had always kind of had this inkling for real estate. I had read the books, you know, read Rich Man, you know, read all the books. <laughs> and um, had just kind of this, I loved autobiographies about people and how they achieved th great things and greatness. And so kind of always had this inkling for it. And I got my real estate license and I learned very, very quickly that this is a real estate, traditional real estate is a customer service driven business. And, I thought you were going to say cutthroat when you started to <laughs> cut. I'm like, it kind of is a cutthroat, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it is. But it is customer service based. And I used to work back in the day, I used to work for Nike, one of the best jobs I ever had, one of the best corporate jobs I ever had. And I was managing one of those massive Nike town stores. And we were making $18 million a year, I had over 100 employees. And I was managing this. And I learned very quickly that I am in customer service. And then I am selling the product. And that guy, Phil Knight, that created Nike, he's the one making the money. So I learned that if I want to do real estate, I want to be in charge of the product. Product is key. I wanted to be the Phil Knight of real estate. I want to be putting product in the market. And so I came up with this business plan. So I kind of been doing this customer service real estate and I came up with this business plan. I said, product is key. So I wrote down on my little piece of paper and I wrote one side of it. I said, flipping properties. And then I wrote on the other side, rentals, buy and holds. And then I wrote this little bridge in between using other people's money. And that was my business plan. I kept it super simple. I drew a map because that's my visual learner side came out. I just drew this map and I said, okay, I need to, how do I get this cash flow, this cash flow that is king through rental properties, through income producing properties? How do I get the money to buy that? I need to flip houses. I need to put a product in the market that I can control, that I can be in control of 
hey, how do I get the money to buy that product? Well, I'm going to use other people's money. So I just started diving into that. And my first, how I first did my first flip as I partnered, I had about $10,000 and I just like saved all, all the money I had. Like imagine raising two kids on your own, living with your parents in this little two bedroom house. And I saved all the money I had, got $10,000 together, brought in a key strategic partner with their percentage of a down payment, used those hard money loans and just dove in. And I say, I went to flipping college, man. I, <laughs> I learned real quick about how to flip properties. I learned real quick and I was able to come away from that. Unfortunately, it was like my first flip was one of those properties where I did not make money, but I didn't make money. And, um, I began you, to you learn, you learn, I learn. Instead of paying $100,000 to go to college, I basically got to go to college for free. So I got I got a little scholarship on my own there, <laughs> flipping college. Talk, and, talk to me about how you set up that first JV partnership. Was it a 50-50 JV? Did you find the deal, do all the work? Was that partner just a money partner? Like, just explain what that was. My first one, I had no idea what I was doing. This was, this was back in about 15 when podcasts weren't really around. I didn't really know. I hadn't really seen it. I just knew I needed money. So I didn't know what I was doing. So we all went and got, it was like, there's about four of us brothers and, you know, just kind of had another little silent partner. And we just all got on title. We all got the hard money loan. We, so there was just like massive wow. amounts of people signing, massive Wow. people. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend it, but now I've learned how to strategize my deals and I'll definitely go into that a little bit, but that first flip just really showed me something. I also, um, was working kind of like a side hustle, but a learning gig. I was working auctions and I was down at the auction blocks buying properties at the auction blocks with this, uh, real estate investment firm I was with. And we would go and I would be driving about 40 properties a week comping those properties and then going and pitching and selling those into investors who would then help us to buy those properties at auction. And so I was doing that. So 40 properties a week, we're driving over a hundred properties a month. And I would have my little son in the back seat driving all these distressed properties with me, you know, doing all this stuff with me. And that's where I really learned the intricacies of comping properties, knowing neighborhoods, talking to investors, finding investors and pitching. Right. So I learned all of that through just the grind of day to day to day. And I started doing that. And then from there, we took off. Um, I met my business partner and we partnered on one deal because I, I knew I was flipping houses because, it was a, again, that was my business plan, a way to control income. And yeah. I would flip houses with a business partner, a partner, 50-50 partner. We both brought 50% of the money to the table. We weren't doing this through an LLC or anything. We were just doing it. If I had an LLC, it would be my LLC and them. We'd business partner together, do a flip sell that flip. And I did about four of those with different partners. And this one business partner, we just had a ton of synergy and we just took off from there. Daniel's his name. And we just said, what if, and from there, my business partner and I took off that business and we started flipping four houses at a time, 10 houses at a time. And now we're now our average, we have about 30 active properties, whether it's 10 flipping and we're building 20 properties or 20 new builds, or we are flipping 20 houses. We kind of always have about an active 30 units in somewhere in the phases of flipping, renovating, or building that yeah. we go through. And so yeah. that's, that's how we were able to scale so quick. So then what we do is we take that flip income. We do not pay ourselves on that flip income. We take that flip income and we roll it straight to income producing properties. So we'll buy Airbnbs, 
We'll buy mobile home parks. We will buy apartment complexes. We have a really great property that's a multi-use. It has over 65 storage units on it, warehouses, a vacant land, and mobile uh, over 30 mobile homes on that property. So we'll go buy anything. So that's why I like to say I like to buy income-producing properties. I don't limit it because it could be the best, best income-producing Airbnb you have, which actually, even though my numbers are low on it, my highest percentage income-producing property is a professional rental. So that's kind of how we scaled from zero to 90 units. Quick, real quick. quick. All right. You gave a lot of information. I want to do a rewind that I want to, I want to start asking you, how do you, on the single family side, what's your process to find inventory? Is it on market, off market, MLS, postcards? Like how do you and your business partner go out to find that? And then the follow-up question is going to be the same thing on the commercial side. So there was definitely a shift of markets. So auctions, when we started seeing the equity growth blow up here in Seattle, auctions started to dissipate in about 2018. And so there became this whole wholesale market because now we have homeowners, even if they're distressed, they have all of this equity in their property, right? And so we saw the auction market dissipate, which was even more why I was diving in and gearing up for flips. And so what I started to do is I had this great network of investors and I started to push that out into building a network of wholesalers. So wholesalers are people that they're actually phenomenal at it because they're out there finding those distressed buyers. They're off market properties most of the time and they generally have a whole business. So I have about a list of about a hundred wholesalers that I work with and about 50 across the nation that I work with. Wow. And I just started building that network, build it out. And I, fortunately for me, at the end of 2018, I kind of already was growing a network of wholesalers because I needed more product. And so it was a natural transition to work with these wholesalers. And the question that we ask ourselves, I started asking myself back last year was, do we start a wholesale company? Because there is, it is, it one, it's phenomenal business, but two, I need deals to fund the machine, the flipping machine, yeah. you know? And so we started asking ourselves a question, but as you guys have had tons of guests that have great wholesale business, it is a business. You have it's to put, business. yeah, you have to put funding behind it. So for me, I found the easiest way to scale my business quickly mm -hmm. was to find people that are doing it and doing it great. I work with wholesalers that are national that sell in Seattle, but we buy with them now in other markets. And so I work with, so I want to work with the best wholesalers, the one that write the best contracts. And I'm okay with paying them there in Seattle. It's not abnormal to pay 50 to $100,000 assignment fees, yep. which is like a backside of a commission instead of a seller paying your commission. It's a, it's a you as a buyer paying that assignment or that commission to that wholesaler. And we have no problem doing that. And I, that is strategically, like if I'm working with a new wholesaler or finding a new network of wholesalers, we ask about 10 different questions. We almost facilitate the deal because it's, it's such a business. You have to know the intricacies and the ins and outs. So I would recommend if you're new in this, that you seek very, very, uh, uh wholesalers that know the business, seek big time wholesalers and don't be afraid to pay that big assignment fee. It's okay. As long as the numbers work. As long as the numbers work. And it's key that you said that because like, look, a lot of people out there, they say they don't care what a wholesaler makes until they see what the wholesaler is making, but it really doesn't matter what the fee is as long as the numbers work for you and your investment portfolio, right? I mean, if the numbers work, the numbers work. The numbers work. And that my, so I keep my, it's almost like I see them as like 
almost as a business partner, my wholesalers, I keep them happy. I do not care what your wholesale, where your assignment fee. I will tell you if I can't buy it because the numbers are tight, I'll tell you that. I don't care what you're making on it. And if we have to rework it, then we will. But I have gladly paid a hundred thousand dollar, $120,000 assignment fees. In fact, I pay them on my mobile home parks. Almost every single one has been over a hundred thousand dollar assignment fees on those, but they have brought me the best cash flowing deals around. Yeah. So no problem. Yeah, I just I just paid a hundred thousand dollar wholesale fee to a guy in Ohio, thirty six unit, you know, apartment building, and I'm like, I don't care what you're making. The numbers for me, it's a seventy two thousand dollar year cash flow piece. I'm in. Like I'll in. take. Yeah, no, yep. no doubt. How are you going about? So are you using wholesalers to find your commercial cash flowing properties, your mobile home parks, your storage? That's all wholesale as well. All wholesale as well. I just build that network and ask, ask, ask. I think some really key pieces of finding good wholesalers or good deals is Facebook. I know it's a little old school. I think promotion, right? You want to be on the promotion of Instagram and TikTok and all those promotional avenues for yourself as a company. But I think finding good communities now, especially with COVID, is those Facebook groups. The moms have been a part of these Facebook groups since day one, you know? Um, and so why not real estate in Seattle? We have a very healthy social network, um, online. We have several different Facebook groups that are very active. So we find a lot of deals through Facebook, ironically enough, but it's built my wholesale network. So now I'm on like national sites. I go to areas. So for instance, we are looking in Arizona, we are looking in Northern California, just in a couple of key different markets that we're really busting into right now. And I go, I'm on Facebook and I'm finding those groups. And then I'm also finding the mom groups and I'm asking the mom groups, Hey guys, I'm looking for distressed properties. Who, who, who put me in touch with somebody, you know, like your kids are beautiful. <laughs> who can I talk to? Cause moms are the key. They know, they know, they know. So yeah. I, I definitely utilize that resource. Unbelievable. Good, good stuff. And you're, so you and your partner are on 50, 50 with everything right now. You guys are doing it all together. Like it's a real business. It's a real, guys. yep. Real business. So me and my business partner agreed to do um, the business model I talked about. So we buy the flips as 50, 50 partners. And then we take that income. We agreed to taking that income and buying our investment properties, our cash flow properties as a 50, 50 partnership. And so we own those through our company, 50, it's just all in writing. So we buy it in this company's name. And then we, most of the time we can 1031 tax exchange, some of those. So we are utilizing those tools. And then that's a lot of how we're offsetting some income is by paying wholesaler fee off income of our flips. So we'll write an invoice paying that wholesaler off of our net proceeds and things like that. So different little strategies on that. But we are 50-50 business partners in buying and acquiring properties. And then we come together, pay our employees, all that with our income from our cash flow properties. Tell me about the, the business, how it's structured. How many employees do you guys have? We have two on payroll. One is a part, well, we have several property managers, on-site property managers that we pay. And then we have one that oversees those on-site property managers. And she's actually, she lives in New Mexico of all places. So she's yeah. virtual. And so we work with her and then we actually just brought on director of operations. And we hope to one day kind of put her in that CEO role, um, COO role. Uh, but she stepped in to help us through all of, she kind of helps manage is all our entire flip and building process. So we have those. And then we have about six contracting crews that contract out business. We do question, do we bring them on as employees? Mm, 
you know, I think the contracting role works really well for us, but yeah. that is something we are kind of looking at is seeing whether we're going to bring on in-house contractors. Talk to the, to the listeners about your capital raise. How do you go about funding your fix and flips? What does that look like? Rates, points, where do you get the money from? And then the same thing on the commercial side with your cash flowing product. Yeah. So there's a couple of things I really like to talk about. So there is a hidden market that I found and I think is very key, right? So finding hidden markets for raising capital is key. And I knew that as a woman, there's only about 30% of women who are actually involved in, in investment real estate. So there's a huge margin there. Even with husbands married, whatever they might be doing as a partnership, it's still only 30%. So there's a huge margin there. So what I started doing is I started strategically going after women. And I found that that was a key market because in Seattle, there's we have a very high medium income here. We have a lot of tech work. We have a lot of very well-educated, very well-paid women here in the Seattle area. So I started seeking nurses, software developers, all these women that were have all this income coming in and perhaps want a place to put it. And everybody loves real estate. They just don't have an avenue. So I started creating an avenue for them to get involved. I have a meetup that I do, Why Are Women, Women Investing in Real Estate. And all we do is talk about how to invest in real estate. That's all we do. And it brings other women in. Then I go to, and I find them. I go to software, uh, you know, in Seattle, it's a dime a dozen here. You can go to 10 times meetups and go to talk to software developers. And, and I go target women. I go target them. And I found this key, dem key demographic. And then one of the things that I really mm -hmm. highlight is that the ask. Sometimes people get scared to ask. They'll talk about the business, but they won't ask. And I think that's key. And I know that for a lot of women, we feel the need to validate. We have to validate. We have to, we have to have some background for it, some history. And we're not necessarily out there just asking, hey, invest $100,000 in me. Hey, invest $10,000 in me. We're not necessarily out, out there asking. And I was more than comfortable to ask because I feel that Part of my business plan is when we ask for other people's money, it is to build our community and build wealth for others. And that I am, I stand on that pillar of our business is that I want to help other women achieve financial freedom. I want to help other investors achieve financial freedom. And so I grow that and I ask everybody. I ask nurses. I ask Amazon so, delivery. So how, do you go about, how do you go about asking? Teach the listeners. How do you go about asking? You meet somebody. Do you have an elevator pitch? Like, what does this whole thing look like? You know, it's very organic for me. Um, I think it's because my personality leads a little bit towards sales. So I am, I always want, I ask about what they do. I want to know, I want to find the ins and outs because I truly am interested. I want to find their why for what, why they need this financial freedom. And that's what I'm diving into. I want to find their why. So you have to be intentional, find their why. Are you sick of your job? Are you worried about your retirement? What's your why? Find that why and then offer the solution. But you have to have a platform, right? So offer the solution. So, hey, I have a solution. Your stocks have tanked. I have a platform for you. Here's what my platform looks like. And what I found the easiest way to do this is on our flipping or building projects, we just do a joint venture agreement. We had a lawyer write one up. It's very, very simple. We keep it very simple. And we fill out their the address of the property they're investing in. 
the company because sometimes we'll buy these properties in different LLCs that me and my business partner own, and we'll split out, we'll say the terms. And for our investors on flips, we give amazing returns. We give 13% return on their cash investment. And we give a four to six month window on that. And they don't give money to me. They put money into escrow and are buying the property through escrow with me through that joint venture. So, so that's a good point that I want you listeners to understand. So you're paying them, I'm going to use round numbers, $100,000 investment that they put in. You're guaranteeing them, shouldn't use the word guarantee, but you're giving them a return of 13% on that investment. So that's $13,000. But that $13,000 is going to come back to them over a four to six month period. So in essence, they do this twice a year. They're really making 26 plus percent annualized on their money. Yeah, it's incredible. And and they'll if we can, we try to get them in three times a year. So we're, we're really trying to hope we can get them 30% return annually on their cash investment. And it has been a game changer. People sign up for that. I mean, it is, like I said, it is... It is better than the stock market and stock market was blowing up and some people are kind of weary now that it's, you know, it's just all over the place. People invest with us. They pull from their 401k because we're able to give their trade and their investment is secure against the property. You're not yeah. investing in me and a company. Well, you are in a sense, but you're investing in that property and it is held against that joint venture on that property. So we keep it really simple. But we give great returns because, again, it's just if I help my community, if I help other people build wealth, that is reciprocal. That is going to come back at you, and it has. And it's been amazing to see what we've been able to do in other people's lives through this as well. I love the model. Talk about skepticism. A lot of people, when you're trying to raise money from them, especially with the returns of 30% a year, I mean, it's substantially higher than what they're normally used to receiving in a CD or money market, mutual fund, how do you, first off, are they skeptical when you tell them the returns they can get? And if they are, how do you overcome that objection? There's two types of people that invest with us. So there is, um, we're off to school. <laughs> I'm getting the wave off to school. Um, <laughs> there are two types of people who invest in us. One, there's the referral investor, which we love, right? So we started out with about five different passive investors and they have since seen the return. They've seen the model and now they are spread their friends, their parents, other people now are, are becoming passive mess. So the word of mouth spread and it spread like fire when they started seeing their returns. And then we have our other one where we have to prove concept, right? So our proof concept, and I will say that referral market, I just want to backtrack a little bit. That referral market is, is amazing. You know, like in traditional real estate, your referral market is key. We, we love it. We nurtured those referrals because it is, you know, it's amazing. But our passive, like you just know me. So one of my favorite stories about Mike, he was listening to a podcast I was on and, and talking about these returns and, and talking about this. And he lives in um, Wisconsin, you know, <laughs> um, home of the Packers. And a great guy calls me or hits me up on Instagram because I, I love social media. I'm on it all the time. Hits me up on Instagram. Hey, Chandler, listening to this podcast, you know, just wanted to shoot. And I was like, let's set up a meeting. Called him had to prove the concept, right? 
So how I prove the concept of how I overcome the ejection is one, we have an email set up with several of our properties that we have flipped. So this email is just, and we say it is in writing. Real estate is in writing. There is no denying that this company bought this property. It's on public record. And this company sold this property and it's on public record, right? So we say that it's a public record. So then we send this email and it has about 10 of 10 awesome flips that we've done in the last six months. We keep it very relative too, right? And so it shows them this. And then, and then it has a little bit of a bio and our website has that as well. It's a really cool website with what we're doing. And so we've created this platform and we've taken and we're allowing them to see. And then I think another key piece that I think is a little bit challenging for investor owners is the social media aspect. It is such a key thing for your average person out there. They are seeing what everybody's doing every single day and what's being put out there. So I make sure that I keep my social media up to date. I walk my properties. Here's what we're doing on the construction side. Here's a funny little reel. Here's what we're needing. Here's what we closed on. And it's all right there on social media out there for everybody to see the properties we're doing. And so that eliminates a lot of those objections And then we also allow any new investors to take our contract to their lawyers, review it. If they want to do some other terms, we we say, hey, we're open to not terms and far of returns, but how you want to structure your contracts. Mm -hmm. But then we allow them to use their lawyers or however they they deem that. We let them go source that because we have our platform. So we're open, we're flexible, but we have structure and platform, which I think is key. It's key. And you know who your avatar is, which is key as well. This is good. good. Really good information. I know the listeners are going to enjoy this. Are you doing the same thing with your cash flowing assets, the ones that you're going into mobile home parks and apartment buildings? So a little selfish on those. Um, <laughs> we have a conversation almost weekly about what that's going to look like because we are able to buy so much of our own cash flow investment properties that do we need to bring in strategic partners? And then we ask her some question, what opportunities are we missing out on by not bringing in key strategic partners? So to me though, it is a long-term business relationship you're getting in with somebody. And so you need to make sure that you are, everybody's comfortable with the terms. So the only long-term investor we've brought in is somebody who's invested with us for about a year. They were comfortable with their flip returns and they just wanted to park some money. So we, we had them come in and we just did our JV agreement on that property. They're not holding title. They're not on title. And they were comfortable with that, with getting, um, um, they're getting an 8% return of net profits, which is a great return still. Yeah, it's a great return. Will we do that for every new investor? We're still structuring that a little bit, but I don't want to miss that opportunity either. Are they able to, with that type of investment portfolio, are they able to get the tax advantages as well? No, or- because they're not sitting on title. They're not sitting on anything. So, yeah. And so that's... Yeah. yeah. A lot of those people, they want to see the tax advantage and what the cash flow and what the, the tax advantage side. But... I mean, look, you'll have those investors that they just want the cash flow, right? So yeah. it's your avatar is. Yeah, and we're we're scaling that business right now because we have our hands in Airbnb, we have our hands in mobile home parks, we have our hands in apartments. And for us to scale that business, first step back is we had to hire the right people. Yeah. So we have the right people in place. We have an overseer property manager so that we have somebody who's directing our our flip business and building business, which is huge. And so we have these right people. So now we're looking at that and saying, how do we give these same type of community 
wealth building opportunities in our long-term investment side. It is a question we literally discuss every single week. So it will be coming soon though. Love this. Absolutely love it. Talk to me about knowing your market, understanding the local demand. Like how do you go about, because everybody, they analyze a little bit the same, but some people do it a little bit different. Talk to us about how you go about analyzing your local market. So we really like the local market. I feel like I just eat, breathe and sleep it. Um, it's been where I have been diving into these new markets that have really opened up my eyes to, wow, this, I, you know, it is, it is a new learning experience for me. So, so what, are you, what are you doing? Because yeah, you said earlier, you're going into a lot of these new virtual markets now. Yeah. How do you go about analyzing? So there is a couple, again, I go off my network. There's a couple really key people that have really, I use their brain. <laughs> um, I'll do a shout out to Jennifer Beatles. Um, she's got this incredible, she is a... Um, a national, um, she brings, she's not a wholesaler. She's, she works with investors and helps them go into different markets through area, through networks she's kind of created. And, um, she's got this incredible brain. So what I use is I use other people's insights and finding those key strategic partners. So go find those key strategic partners, even in other markets. So that's step one, right? That kind of opens your door. Where are they looking at? Where are they investing? Right. Did we miss the, did we miss the mark on OKC, you know, Oklahoma city, you know, where, where are we going next? You know, so I, I like to have those key people. The second thing I do is I've already alluded to it, but those Facebook groups are key, yeah. right? Like those little, those mom pages, those different things. Hey guys, where do you guys want to go on vacation, you know, and now I'm now I'm searching in, you know, South Carolina and all those lakes, the great lake property of where they want to go on vacation with their kids. And so now I'm seeing kind of that and they love talking about it, right? Like where are you going on vacation? How much do you kind of spend when you're looking for that? Because I really want to buy an Airbnb that your family can go to. And then you get like 10,000 hits. So that's a really inside way to get it. Other things is find those investor friendly real estate agents. I love using my network to find those investor friendly real estate agents. I have no problem buying on market deals. They're a little bit more vetted than your off market in some, some cities, but those are great. Don't be afraid of buying on market if the numbers work, right? And a lot of times those investment-minded real estate brokers, especially on the commercial side, like I'm sure you experienced your 36 units out of state, you know, it's, they have insight and knowledge and we will spend about an hour just talking about economy. What is every, where's everyone working? Then we go and I'm mapping it as they're talking. Oh, they work here. It's 10 miles from my property I'm buying. Okay. What do they like to do in that economy? How close am I to those things? And I love buying around medical centers, medical hospitals, medical fields. I feel like we will always have renters or those properties will always be um, professionally rented or Airbnb out by medical centers. Even if I'm in a remote area, if there's a hospital, I know that we'll rent out those units if I'm in a five mile radius of that hospital. So those are some of the key little tricks I use to finding and going into different markets. And then I have this little debate with one of my really good uh, real estate friends, Zestimate. Man, I'm a big advocate of the Zillow's Estimate. I know. About <laughs> what? Get the hell out of here. So you know, it, works, it does work in certain areas. The New York, New Jersey area, it's it's always off. And, you know, I've trained my guys in the office when a seller comes up with this estimate, my house is worth 600 to just, we have a whole rebuttal system to go through and show them that it's really not worth what they think it's worth. But in your, you're finding in certain areas, it's more accurate. 
Yeah. And it's not, a, I don't need it to be accurate because on the investment side, I just need an opinion almost. And that's how I see it as a virtual data collecting opinion for me. Yeah. And so if I'm getting a wholesaler, I love kind of the little belt in the Midwest, you know, it's just, I, I haven't bought there yet, but I just keep my eye on it because I get a lot of properties from there. And so I go Zestimate it and I'm saying, okay, if, am I getting, you know, am I at about, am I buying it about 30% below the Zestimate? And if it is, then I'm really going to look at it. So it's my, it's my almost my default filter um, which I know sounds crazy but it is and then I do it immediately on rentals Um, you can go to the rental Zillow rental and I just go there immediately and if I'm sold a deal that's like oh they could potentially get $1,500 a month here you know and 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 I'm looking at Zestiman I don't see you know anything even remotely close in that area it's, it's just way off so it's almost like my first filter on the investment side is estimate, which I know is so against the grain, but yeah. on the traditional real side, I get it. I had to overcome it my first year too, but on the investment side, it's just my little filter. I just like use it real quick. And cause I'm, I'm out and about a lot. So I'll just boop. And then if a deal looks good, call that agent or call that wholesaler and start the conversation. I love it. What's next for you, Chandra? What, what are you, what are you looking to do next? Man, I'm so excited about the future. So we are working on two chicks that flip. Um, one of my first partners, she is a, she. We partnered up and flipped and made this incredible deal together. And now she does her own flipping, and I have my flipping business. And we're coming together and we're making this really awesome content for how to flip books. And it'll be virtual content available in about three months. So I'm really excited about that. Two female perspectives on this whole crazy industry and how we do it. And she has a whole different system than I do. Um, she's kind of more of your like three flips a year, you know, type person. I'm like, let's do 50 flips a year, you know? Um, <laughs> and then, so that's really exciting. And then on our, um, Oh, I love talking about my goals, but they definitely make me sweat a little bit. Uh, we are definitely looking to acquire over $20 million worth of real estate this year on the hold side. And so you work those numbers backwards. How many houses do or houses do I need to flip or build in order to buy that much uh, investment property uh, with just my partner and I is a very, very big number, but we are hitting our goals, fortunately. Um, And so we'll see how the back half of the year turns out. I love it. Well, congrats on everything. You're a ball of fire, great personality doing some great business. You had some really good information. I know the listeners are going to love, especially the the whole, how you're raising your capital. I mean, you have some really good nuggets in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would love to uh, have anybody reach out to me. They can find me at Chandra Lacey Real Estate. So Chandra Lacey Real Estate on Instagram. Uh, I'm all over Facebook, Chandra Lacey, just super easy. My name, I answer all questions, answer all emails, DMs, messages. So look me up on social media. I'd love to connect with all of you. Chandra, it's been real. You've been a pleasure to interview. Good getting to know you. Stay tuned. I'm going to end this and we'll talk afterwards. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My mission is to give you, my listeners, the blueprint for success, the insider secrets for starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing business so you can experience and live the unstoppable lifestyle. I've made it simple for you. To catapult yourself to success, go to billyssecrets.com. That's B-I-L-L-Y-S secrets.com. And there you will find every single tool 
tip, trick, strategy, system, and secret used to make millions of dollars as a real estate investor. Everything my team uses and my guests use all in one place for you to tap into so you can start, grow, and scale your real estate investing business. I really hope you implement what you're learning. I hope you utilize these tools, tips, tricks, strategies, and secrets, and I hope to see you on the next episode. God bless. Bye-bye.